Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Lord, the triune God of heaven, be with us and make our paths straight. Align our skills and our personhood to glorify you and to see you as you are. Amen. Last time I, I handed out the Westminster Confession of Faith. In the confession, it included all of the relevant Bible verses pertaining directly to what it was affirming about that day of judgment. So hopefully you have read through it and that we all feel more at ease with it. As today, we will be expanding on what was said previously. To recap, last time we looked at judgment, something that is vitally needed for all believers as they put on righteousness. Judgment that reveals the hidden motives of the heart. Judgment that opens one's eyes to the grace we have been given through Jesus Christ. We who are of the light step into the light so that we can accept rebuke. And we love the person that God uses to rebuke us. Rebuke that brings light, life, and truth. The blessing of being judged as sinners that are saved from our sin. Sinners by grace that stand on heaven's side of the great divide. Not by our work but by the saving work of Jesus Christ, his death and his not by our works, but by the saving work of Jesus Christ, his death and his life accredited to us who repent and believe. We who believe can shout that our sins are forgiven from the rooftops a grace that joyfully rises above the shouts. A pro proclamation of how much love God has shown towards us. Our sins that are not removed from our thoughts and minds, but serve as a valuable teaching tool of foolish humanity in light of the wisdom of God. A wisdom that plucks a sinner from the road to hell and places them on the narrow path of wisdom that leads to life. Lessons that show us the fruits of sin. Sinful actions we have learned to see and loathe and the reasons why we strive in this life not to sin. Why? Because we are tried, tired of hurting we are tired of hurting others and seeing the impact of sin that affects everyone. So, now we will revisit the passage and see why this passage is there and what actions and wisdom it imparts to, the, to those who are willing to hear it. Let me refresh your mind on the passage. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, now that we are looking at why sin is not forgotten, we turn back to the word of judgment to see how Christians will be judged. Now some of us will not have heard about this before, but take heart because you will be encouraged by the end. When I talk about judgment, we should be made aware that there is more than one type of judgment. We should be made aware, for simplicity's sake, there are two judgments. The Bemacy judgment for believers and the great white throne judgment for non-believers. The unique word that is used to describe this judgment is the word bima. And some might have even heard the phrase, the bima seat judgment. Firstly, where can we find such a seat, and what does it look like, and what is its purpose? We can find a bima seat in many places, even some of the smallest places like Taldane. Some, for, for your benefit, here is an illustration of a Bemis seat at Corinth, a seat that the Corinthians were familiar with. The word Bemis is defined as a raised place, mounted by steps. Herod built one in the theater at Caesarea. You will also find one in the Korean Hippodrome. Pilate used the one at Jerusalem called the Stone Pavement to judge Christ. The seat was used in sports arenas and theaters to reward athletes for success and to make speeches. The beamer was also a seat used by a judge or official to render a judgment. The function that best describes this Bema seat judgment is that of rewards. For the, for the following two reasons. Firstly, it is a fair judgment according to the rules set out for the participants. Rules that judges enforce and participants must follow to win. This is how Timothy put it in 2 Timothy 2.5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So, we know as believers we participate in this race and run it according to the laws of God. Relying on God's victory being applied to us. The winner who receives the winner's crown the laurel wreath, the crown of life. Then there is a second aspect. In Roman times, only the winner got the prize. All other participants lost. However, in heaven, we are not competing against others. We, <clears throat> we all just have to finish the race to receive the crown. But God asks us to run the race as to win it. 
Even the, even the losers get to continue without ramifications in this judgment. By this I mean they receive the rewards that are due and they don't lose their eternal life in heaven. Thus, nobody is punished as sins are forgiven. Thus, the judgment seat is for rewards and not punishment. I must also include that God does discipline us in this life. He does judge us, and the consequences for our sins are felt. But that only pertains to this life and not the final judgment as sins are forgiven. And sorry, I only realized that this morning. I'd missed out a section, so I've just included a little bit. And I'm sure that some other time we'll get in depth on the evil that we do do. But at least I've, co I've covered part, a little bit of it. Now that we know that this was primarily a seat used to exalt the winners of the event of the day by placing a perishable wreath on their heads. But our judgment is not being done by Caesar, but by God. Jesus Christ is the one running the proceedings as the all-knowing and holy judge who is impartial and will display perfect judgment to all. Now that you have realized how this judgment will transpire and the purpose of it, why is it in the text? Does it make one feel uncomfortable just thinking of it? Because we all know how sinful we are and wonder if we will ever be able to store up a treasure in heaven. Imagine getting to heaven and they say to you, you have $52.50 worth of good deeds and what do you get for that? But this is, of course, wrong. And we will have to think through it systematically to find the true focus of the passage. I want to start with looking at the passage in light of rewards or lack of them. From, a, from the sovereignty of God perspective and from the human perspective that is limited, and to see if these two views are compatible. Please stick with me as I transverse these two perspectives as they are so closely linked that it seems to befuddle the brain at times. The reason I am doing this is because I battle to ground the word Look, um, I battle to ground the word rewards in light of a heavenly eternal perspective. What does rewards mean to a heavenly being, to a perfect spiritual being that is not tempted by sin? Perhaps you are asking, what is the issue about getting rewards in heaven? Well, when you're in heaven and you, have, you receive very little or even nothing from God, you will not sin and grumble, you will not expect equality, and you will not demand more. Why? Because you would have received your new body 
an incorruptible body, a body that is satisfied with whatever God gives you. A body that believes God will only give us good gifts that are for our good. We will not be envious as we are no longer tempted by this body of sin. However, there are some other Bible verses that are needed to solidify this perspective in light of sovereignty. The Bible tells us God has predestined good works for us to do in this life. <laughs> and because of these good works, God will glorify us and reward us in heaven because of these works we have participated in. We essentially being the tools he has chosen to affect his will on this earth. To change to the human viewpoint. However, we are also rewarded in this life because of the bonds we build by doing these good works. We are rewarded in this life for doing the will of God. Those people that you speak to about Christ that become members of the church, these good works that suppress evil, that build up the body of Christ in so many different ways that glorify God. The love and truth spoken in our communities, the fulfillment of our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thus the reward has a present day application. But more, it also has a future benefit in heaven. This future benefit, the reward in heaven, what does that look like? Knowing that God gives us the desires of our hearts in this life. And this is according to his will for us. But what does this look like in heaven? Well, there is a very important Bible passage that gives us a glimpse into it. Remember when Christ is approached by James and John requesting to sit on his right and on his left in heaven? And Jesus gives them this response. These positions are only for those that the Father has prepared it for. A vital part of this reward topic to remember. God has prepared different places for all of us in his kingdom. And most likely, neither of these two positions belong to any of us. But Jesus affirms this. He will prepare a place for you in his father's house. You have a place prepared by the hand of God if you are his. Something, somehow, what we go through in this life is in preparation for the life to come. 
Nothing is arbitrary. Everything is significant. Listen. Your work is, is important for you on earth. Are we not a temple of God? Are we not being built up in this very moment? Are not our physical world interactions a sign of our spiritual growth? Enabling us to face this great day, the day before the judgment seat of Christ? Are you not becoming more like Jesus day by day? Clearly there is a continuation from the physical to the spiritual life, as well as from this world to the heavenly world. Both of these must be true for Scripture not to refute itself. So, how do we interpret this judgment? We need to draw in the next clause. For the good and the evil we have done. And then the rewards or lack of them that flow from this judgment. If rewards are annulled once we have our eternal, our heavenly bodies, and the day of judgment has passed, what can this verse mean to you? Remember, a sovereign God has already mapped out the end from the beginning. Your good works are predestined. But wait! We are not God. We don't work like that. We are finite beings trapped in these bodies that are corrupted by sinful flesh. Now to this sinful body, God is speaking. This body that needs motivation to endure towards the goal. The one that sometimes needs encouragement just to take the next step. You and I need to hear these encouraging words that are spoken to us from the loving God that phrases things that our ears will listen to and our hearts will not faint. We are all being called to a higher calling and to fulfill our actions of love towards God and neighbor as a priority in this life. In 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15, we'll be judged as through fire. Our works will be tried, and if they are not like gold, silver, or precious stones, they will be burnt up. We are called to live a life devoted to God. The passage teaches us there are good works done in faith and in service to Jesus Christ that will receive rewards. Rewards in this life and how they flow through to our life in the church, our homes and our workplaces, and the rewards in the life to come. Our works are given to prepare us for our heavenly role. But you might be wanting to know what kind of work works make it through the fire. We know we are saved by faith, 
believing in Christ who died for us, and that you are transformed by the Spirit who has written the commands of God on your heart. However, God through Timothy expands this faith to say it is dead without works. Listen to what he says. What good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So, we know faith is accompanied by works. And Matthew tells us what good works will be acceptable to Christ. Listen. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory with all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by the Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. However, do not only read the above verses in physical terms, but in spiritual terms as well. For I was hungry and you gave me God's word to feed on. I was thirsty and you gave me God's promises to rely on. I was a stranger and you invited me into your church. I was in a prison of sin and you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me. I was naked and you showed me how to live a life clothed in righteousness which is honorable to God. When I was, sh was sinning, you rebuked me and spoke truth that healed my sin and my relationship with God. So these two perspectives are intertwined and culminate into good works that is talked about and that bring glory to God. 
The question is, are we doing it? The truth is, we are not doing as well as we could. And God, knowing this, he has put this passage to encourage us. God is wanting us to be more than, that, than we are. And he will accomplish it through passages like this. Knowing we will hear his words and do them. This is how John gave it to us. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the work you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove the lampstand from its place unless you repent. While Timothy says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you. Not the gifts you want, not the gifts others have, but the gifts God has given you. God knows who we are and what it takes to motivate us to be put back on the narrow path. Be it that rewards motivate you, then run the race with the intent to win. So you will win the prize as a reward. And if it is loss of rewards, or a disappointed father that drives you. Let judgment be the holy fire that ignite your desires. Stir your heart and feet to haste, pushing you forward in good works for that judgment day. So, we will all appear... Next slide. So, we will all appear... Before the judgment seat of God. Remember, Jesus is the one that stood on the stone pavement for us. And like a lamb did not say a word. And he took the punishment of death for us. He took on our sin so we could take on his reward. He stood there on the stone pavement, waiting for Pilate to unjustly sentence him to death. His crucifixion gifted us his holiness and his righteousness by taking away our sin. On this day, however, we will stand before the beamer's seat with the holy God seated as a judge. The all-seeing one, will be giving out the rewards, not punishment. So, let us live, <clears throat> live lives that are holy and blameless, so that we will be wearing many crowns, receiving the blessings in this life and in the one to come. And that on that day, the King of heaven will welcome you and me with the title of good and faithful servant. So, be motivated 
that God wants us all to be more loving towards others and towards him. Encourage, love, and build up one another because he, the judge of your rewards, is watching you.